Hear the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Whenever I do a wedding service and it comes the time for exchanging rings, I always ask for the rings and I take them in my hand and then I talk about them a little bit and what they mean. And I, I usually start by saying that a ring is an appropriate symbol of love because it is a circle. It has no beginning and no end. And really, the deepest forms of love are that way. They're almost like, it's not like love begins at some point. It's more like we suddenly recognize that the love is already there. And no matter what happens in a relationship, once love is born, it will always survive and continue in some form. So it has no beginning and no end. And if that's true of romantic love, in some way at least, or if that's our ideal for romantic love, how much more so is that true for God's love and God's relationship with us? Do you realize that we exist in the mind of God before we are even created? We exist in God's mind. And long after our life here on earth is done, we still exist and still have a relationship with God. There is no beginning and no end. A circle would be an appropriate symbol of that relationship we have with God. The deepest kind of relationship we have with anybody. In a human relationship, we know that the linchpin, and it's one of the most important aspects of that relationship, is communication. You hear that over and over again. I used to, in some of my churches on the Sunday closest to Valentine's Day, I've done, had couples do a renewal of wedding vows. And I was doing that one church, and I only had them do the renewal, but during the service, I, I had them write on cards uh, advice that they would give to a couple getting ready to get married. And we handed those in and we read them during the service. And really half of them, at least half of them, had something to do with communicate, communicate, communicate. That was the most important thing that they wanted to pass on to these couples. It is so important to communicate, to have some expression of what's going on in a relationship. And that's not just 
you know, between husband and wife, that's between parents and children, and it's between any kind of friends, any kind of relationship, even here in a church. We need to communicate, communicate, communicate. What's the expression we have in our relationship with God? What is our communication? A major part of that is prayer. Prayer is our communication and our communion. It's the way we spend time with God. It's our communication and our communion with God. Our communication and our communion with God. But how do you talk about prayer? I, I knew I wanted to talk about prayer today. Every week in Lent, I'm going to be talking every Sunday about some spiritual practice. And I looked at the scriptures for today, and I just thought, they were just crying out prayer to me. But then, it, then you have the task of, okay, you've got a little message time, sermon time. Exactly how do you talk about prayer in that amount of time? I can, this is not going to be a how-to, really, because that's a lifelong pursuit, how to pray. And there's plenty of good books out there that are better than I am about teaching you about prayer or, or leaders. or You know, I'd invite you to... Your whole life, study prayer, practice prayer, try different kinds of prayer, um, share prayer with, the, with other people, talk about prayer, <laughs> ask questions, just like I talked with the kids. There's lots of ways of learning about prayer. Go on a prayer retreat with Lisa Drew. Go to the Abbey. So instead of doing more of a kind of a nitty-gritty how-to about prayer, I want to look at the big picture about prayer today. I want us to think about what exactly is happening in prayer, in this communication and communion with God. And I'm going to start by talking about what God is doing, because this is not where we usually start. You know, we have this kind of idea in our minds that we're the ones who initiate prayer. When we start praying, that's when the prayer starts happening. That's when the communication starts happening. But the truth is, it's like going back to this whole relationship idea. God is the initiator of all our prayers. God is the one who always acts First, God always initiates the relationship and whatever is going on in it. You can call that prevenient grace. You can call that because God is our creator. You can call that the Holy Spirit that's born within us. I don't care what you call it. God is the initiator. God begins everything. One of my favorite parts of the creation story of Adam and Eve is the part where God is walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, and he comes walking to talk to Adam and Eve. You know, from the, in that creation story, there is the idea that God created us for communication and communion. And God is the one who begins it. You heard the call of Abram today. Now, do we know anything about Abram before God called him? You know, thinking like with the kids, you ask questions. You know, who was Abram? What was so special about him? What did he look like? Who was he worshiping? Was he worshiping God? Had he heard of God? How did he recognize God's call? There's a lot of questions there. And we a lot of times focus on, on Abram and, and who he was and how he responded. But I want you to remember what started this story. What got the whole Abraham you know, story rolling? It's God's initiation. God's the one who called him. Abram, we assume, was just going along in his life. And it was God who started the whole thing. That's what God is the initiator always. In Psalm 121, it, if you were to look at that at the beginning, it begins with, I will lift my eyes to the hills. And so it sounds like the psalmist is initiating the prayer, the relationship, right? But keep reading. If you keep reading, you'll see that that relationship's been going on the whole time. It's been going on. God has been watching. 
never slumbering, never sleeping. God's been tending this psalmist, attending all of us. God has been there when we don't even know it. You know, every once in a while it occurs to us to ask God for things, but all along God is doing things for us, watching over us, worried about us, trying to guide us in the right way. When we're not even paying attention, God is doing these things for us all the time. This is God's activity all the time. You know, us praying doesn't activate it. You know, you, you read that uh, God never slumbers or sleeps, and it's not like God is a 24-hour convenience store, you know, and that he's just sitting around waiting for us to come and ask for something. It's an activity. God is active all the time. The word keep keeps appearing in that psalm. Keep, keep. God will keep you. And I think in that... It, it's written in the sense, kind of the sheep herder keeping kind of sense. God keeping the sheep and, and watching over them and guiding them to good places and making sure that enemies don't attack them. But we can put a modern spin on that word, keep. You know, where do we use the, the role of a keeper? Well, if you watch soccer at all, you know, there is a keeper, the goaltender, the goalie in soccer, the keeper. Or if you follow Quidditch, of course, you also know there's a keeper in Quidditch. But a keeper watches over the goal, no matter where the action is in the game, somewhere at the, it could be at the other end of the field, but the keeper is protecting the goal and watching out for it and keeping an eye on it. And that's how what God is doing. No matter if we're running around at the other end of the field, God is still watching over us and keeping us safe. So what are we doing while God is keeping while God is keeping, we are seeking. That's what we end up doing. When God is keeping, we are seeking. We are seeking just God's will, who God is, where we are in relationship to God. We are seeking. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And, and look at the things that are asked for in that prayer. Daily bread, you know, not delivering us into temptation, forgiving us. And the truth is, those, all those things that you're asking for, protect, you know, um, protecting from evil, God's already doing all those things. So, so Jesus is kind of saying, when we're praying, we're already asking for what God's already doing. What we're doing is identifying the way God is already active in our lives and already doing these things. We're seeking. In prayer, we're always seeking where God is in whatever situation that we're lifting up to God in prayer. It's a big question. It's a big question. That's what prayer is. You know, we say our prayers are answered as if it's, you know, something that, that a package that has arrived for us. But an answer is something you get to a question. So think about prayer as it's about questioning and seeking. Nicodemus was a seeker. I love this story so much. He's not a perfect seeker. This is what makes it even better. He's not real sure about Jesus, so he comes to him at night when nobody else can see him, you know. Hope nobody notices me going to Jesus' house here. You know, he comes to him at night, kind of sneaks along there. He really wants to know, and he doesn't really understand what Jesus is telling him. I like that even better, because let's face it, a lot of times we don't, we don't get it either. And it's a wonderful story. It has all these double meanings. Jesus says he has to be born again, or from above. And here's the tricky part. That Greek word, the Greek word that we translate sometimes born again, or born anew, or sometimes we translate it born from above, means both. At the same time. And, and wind and spirit are the same word in Greek. And in Hebrew, as a matter of fact. Wind and spirit are the same thing. So it has all these double meanings. 
But the most important thing is to keep seeking. You know, the title of this sermon is None So Blind. You know, none so blind as those who will not see. If you don't ever seek, you're never going to find the answers. That's, how, that's true blindness. But Nicodemus was giving it a try. So I like him. So if we realize this, that what prayer is about is, is, you know, God is already initiating prayer. God is already active. And we are seeking. Doesn't that take some of the pressure off of prayer? We are so worried all the time that we're saying the wrong thing, that this isn't what we're supposed to be praying for, that uh, we're, we're guilty, um, that we don't have enough faith to pray. Don't you have these anxieties about prayer? I don't know how to do it. What's the right way? This takes all of that off. There's no right or wrong way to do this. All you need to remember is God is already active, and you are simply seeking. And then you realize that what prayer is, is, is the absolute most natural thing in the world to do. Because it is doing what we, what we just want to do anyways. We want to find God. And prayer is just following our hearts as we are looking and seeking and longing for God.